Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Hello, friends. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Wanted to talk a little bit about studying the Bible and how it should be done organically. What does that mean, organically? To study the Bible organically means simply to study God's Word without the influence of additions in the taintings of mere men. Now, somebody might say, well, brother, maybe I shouldn't listen to you. Hallelujah, brother. If that's all you need to hear right there to get you in God's word for yourself, I'm celebrating with God and with you. Studying the Bible organically, the other day I was meditating on the word and as I was driving in my vehicle and three words came to me concerning the importance of studying God's word and how it should be done. And those words were honestly, organically and thoroughly. We should study God's word honestly, organically and thoroughly. Now, that forms the natural acronym H-O-T. Hot. (laughs) If that helps us remember, honestly, organically, and thoroughly. How should we study God's word? Honestly, organically, and thoroughly. Now, honestly, honesty is so important when we study God's word. We need to factor in all of the scriptures on any given subject to apprehend and be blessed to understand by the Holy Spirit and the word of God the mind of Christ, which we learn through the whole study of the whole of God's Word, and honestly not factoring out certain verses to lean toward a certain bent. And that's what happens a lot of times when you're listening to people supposedly teach the Bible. They are teaching the Bible in many t- in some cases, but they will hyper-focus on certain verses. For example, the once saved, always saved frauds, the eternal security wolves are always going to go to certain verses. And then when you share mountains of other scripture with them that contradict their interpretation of that subject, they are going to ignore it. These people are deceitful and they're dishonest. They have wicked hearts. Because Jesus said, well, there's many scriptures on that topic. I'm going to try not to do too many rabbit trails on this because we've got some important things to talk about here. So honestly, when you're honest about scripture, you're willing to look at and continue to study and factor in and assimilate and collate all of God's word and what it says on any certain subject. You should study it topically. That's one of the ways we should study it to apprehend the mind of Christ and make a conclusion based on all the evidence, not just partial evidence. And that's what's happened. People that run around, for example, with this, you know, I'm eternally secure and they believe all this. They've heard the same verses all their lives. And they come to a fork in the road when they're confronted by true disciples who share with them that that salvation is conditional, not unconditional. That's clearly what the Bible teaches. We've got three books on that subject, A Lie of the Ages, 
uh, soul damning sins and the psychology of eternal security. And you can actually buy those individually or in a package. We've got a special deal on the website. Anyway, the scriptures all the way through the Bible teach us that, you know, you have to endure to the end to be saved after you're saved. So you have to continue in the faith. You have to abide. That means simply remain in Christ. And if you don't, Jesus said, you're going to be thrown into the fire. So that's one example here of people who do not honestly start at the Bible. They don't want to know. They don't want the revelation. They know they'll have to truly submit to God. And that means laying down their life in true repentance and taking up the cross daily and following Jesus. So they're not interested, so many of them, in the other scriptures which contradict this this heresy, the first lie ever told to mankind in the Garden of Eden, that you shall not surely die. Hey, you're right with God. You'll never die. You'll never be separated from God. Well, who told that lie? Satan did. And so we know that anybody teaching the eternal security lie is a very dishonest person. They're deceitful and they're children of the devil. You heard me. I said it. They're deceived intentionally. They're willingly deceived. That is a doctrine of devils, as the Bible calls it. If that isn't a doctrine of devils, nothing is. Genesis 2.17 and 3.4 prove it hands down irrefutably. God said, if you eat of a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. Satan came back and said, what? You shall what? Not surely die. He added one three-letter word. So, so many people are deceitful. They're dishonest. Honesty goes a long way with God. Jesus said, those that will be with him in heaven, those that bear fruit of the only one of the four soils that hear the word of God. It's the fourth one. And Luke 8, 11 through 15, Jesus said, it's those who out of a good and here it is, honest heart, they bring forth fruit with patience, I believe it says. Let me read it to you. But that on the good ground are they, which in an, notice this, in an honest, Jesus used the word honest, isn't that incredible? Honest and good heart. Do you have an honest and good heart? That's a choice, my friend. Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience or with endurance all the way to the end. Notice, we've got to have an honest and good heart. If we don't, we'll re, in this specific example, we will deny the reality that Jesus actually invented these words that you can fall away. In two verses before that, in Luke 8, 13, Jesus said, they are on the rock or they which when they hear, they hear the word of God, they receive the word with joy. They receive it. And in the previous verse, he said, they're saved. If you read it, the text, when they hear, they receive it with joy. And these have no root, which watch this which for a while, they what? They believe. There it is. Irrefutable. They were saved. John 6, 47 says, Jesus said, he that believeth has, presently has everlasting life. So this is Jesus saying they believe. So they're absolutely saved. And in time of temptation, they fall away. They didn't they got saved, but they didn't choose to be rooted and grounded. They even rejoiced greatly after having all their sins forgiven. But they didn't choose to have root in themselves. They have no root. They didn't become rooted and grounded. Therefore, when the storms of life came, like a tree that has shallow roots, it blows that tree right over. Honesty is so important and goes so far with God, beloved. Notice what Paul says. He says this concerning being in the ministry in 2 Corinthians 4, 2, but have renounced. He has renounced him and those that minister with him. The hidden things of, here it is, dishonesty, 
not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Notice, manifestation of the truth. Put it all out there. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Honestly assessing all the scripture before drawing a conclusion. If you're an honest person, you cannot believe in eternal, unconditional eternal security, especially after you reviewed all of the scriptures. So that's our first letter of the acronym H-O-T, honestly, organically, and thoroughly. Now, what does it mean to study the Bible organically? Well, we said it earlier. To study the Bible organically simply means to study God's Word without the influence, the taintings of mere men. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to and engage with people who are preaching the Word and discern them. Also, put all men to the test of God's Word like the Bereans did. They searched the Scriptures daily to see whether or not those things that Paul was teaching were true. And God said they were more noble for doing it. Acts chapter 17, verse 10 and 11. Now, we're on the second of the three letters in the actus acronym of our message today. H-O-T, honestly, organically, and thoroughly is the way we should read and study God's Word. Primarily, it should be organically. What does that mean? Organic Bible study, organic fellowship even, and organic ministry is what we should seek. I believe that's all biblical. And we should cry out to God to make us absolutely authentic, to blot out and strip us of all deceit. Amen. Like Paul said, he denounced all deceit, 2 Corinthians 4.2. So organic simply means and refers to being without foreign additives, poisons, taintings, pure. That's what organic means. When you buy organic food. You're buying food that's not been poisoned. It's funny in America, on a side note, you got to have your organic section. Now, thank God those sections are getting bigger in the stores now because more people are wising up. I think out in the West, they wised up several decades earlier than we have in the middle of the country and the East Coast, etc. When you walk in the store, the honest truth is that when you see a little section that says organic, in other words, it's just not poisoned. <laughs> Think about that, which is pretty ridiculous. But anyway, so organic simply means, quote, without foreign additives, poisons, taintings, pure. Okay, when we talked about earlier the example of people that believe once saved, always saved, that's not biblical. They've been poisoned. Their minds have been infected by false teachers who have taught them that they have no further responsibility to serve God, really, because they had the one moment of faith and was saved when they were 12 years old or whatever. That is a lie from hell. The Bible speaks initial about initial salvation and final salvation. We're king's kids, but we're not home yet. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins who were espoused to the bridegroom. That's Jesus, the bridegroom. We are the ten virgins, but only five made it into the bridal chamber. Although they were engaged to him, only five got married to him, and the other five were shut out of the eternal bridal chamber. Couldn't be any clearer than that. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. But some people are so dishonest that they can come up with excuses to negate certain scriptures to make palatable and the few scriptures that they've siphoned out of the Bible to the exclusion of the whole of what the Bible says about a subject. It's just very deceitful. Now, always remember that one Bible truth or one Bible verse does not negate all the other verses on that same subject. 
Paul says that we are to collate scripture or spiritual things with spiritual in 1 Corinthians 2.13. This is absolutely, utterly important for us to memorize this scripture and to get to know it real well. And that is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. And let me read that to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. The Apostle Paul says, concerning the things of God, which things also we speak, uh, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Now, that's an argument right there, in my estimation, that we should be, preach the words of God. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Jesus also used the term every word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So my words are not on the same plane, not even within the same universe of God's words. See, it's God's words that he gave us, and we have on record in the King James Bible, that never returns back to him void, but always accomplishes that for which he ordains it to accomplish, Isaiah 55, verse 11. So, which things, Paul says, also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, sometimes you'll be listening to a guy that's supposed to be a leader in the kingdom of Christ, but he's going on and on and on about certain things with no scripture. Red flag city, big time. So Paul says here, let the Holy Ghost teach us through the word of God. Here's how it happens. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The word comparing there, the Greek is to collate, to put together. Again, comparing Line up all the scriptures. If you have not thoroughly studied a topic, you have no business drawing a conclusion on it. It doesn't matter how much you like this guy that's been teaching you this, or you think he's a nice guy. After all, he has a seminary degree, right? <laughs> that's some of the most vile wolves on the planet right there. It always has been. Jesus didn't have problems with most common men. His greatest enemy, as far as men go, were who? The religious leaders of his day. That's Satan's nesting place because people are gullible. They think because somebody's got a, a white collar on, that's immediately tells you he's false right there, by the way. Or somebody's got a big following or they, they wear a three-piece suit and they're very articulate that it's going to be God. No, that doesn't mean it's God. It probably means he's dressing up to try to deceive you and make merchandise of you. Because anybody that's got to get all dressed up to preach, that's a red flag. I don't care if you say that's cultural or not. I'm just throwing my opinion out there on that one. I think we need to be careful about all that and just be real. It's been said before, when you hear some of these guys preach and they're going on and on with all this stuttering and this certain you know, cadence when they're preaching and all, you want to ask them, is that how you talk at home? If not, it's time to get real, dude. Just be real. Be authentic. This isn't a show. Gathering with the body of Christ isn't the occasion for you to put on your little show your song and dance and all this taught stuff that's contrived. Get rid of it. Get on your face before God and fast in prayer. Ask the Lord to put an ax to the root and make you authentic to the core of your being. Now, the point we're, make, we're looking at here in the scriptures is that we are to compare. We're to put together and collate spiritual things, that's scripture, with spiritual. Okay, that's how you learn the word of God and apprehend the truth of God as you stack the scriptures on top of each other and you do a topical study on that subject. By the way, we've got lots of helps on the website, safeguardyoursoul.com. We've got 
probably 200 or more categories with scriptures from the Bible in bold always on those subjects, peace, judgment, the cross, the blood of Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. You name it, the topics are there. So studying the Bible organically is the best method, thoroughly, topically, stacking scripture upon scripture. Again, that scripture, and I want you to write that on an index card and learn it. I encourage you, friend, 1 Corinthians 2.13. The less involvement of men, the better. What happens in most apostate modern churches is indoctrination, not true Bible learning. And let me throw this in there. A lot of people get tied up with folks' personalities, only later to be misled for years or months to realize that guy's a wolf, that woman's a wolf. Let's save ourselves and do God good by staying close to him, not having our eyes on somebody else other than Jesus and being swept away like some woman that's engaged to a man, yet she's allowing somebody else to lure her away from the man that she is engaged to marry. That's an eyes full of adultery, spiritual adultery, idolatry. Jesus bled on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ was buried. Jesus Christ alone was raised from the dead and reigned at the right hand of the Father and is coming back soon. You've got to realize, friends, that people are being poisoned by the doctrines of men and devils. The Bible speaks of both. You have a Bible, right? Good. Read it for yourself, beloved. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself. You do it. You study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The only way you're going to rightly divide a word of truth and apprehend the truth of God, which is the mind of Christ on any topic, is to personally study it for yourself. Do not believe it because I said it. How do you know I'm giving you a balanced array of scriptures on a subject? How do you know that if you don't know the word of God? You don't. Get your own eyes on God's words. They are your life. Your life depends on it. Let God build his truth inside of you and build your constitution out of pure, holy scriptures so that you're soundly grounded in sound doctrine. Hallelujah. Grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And the only way that's going to happen is that you get in God's word and that He, his word gets in you daily and diligently. Anybody that doesn't get in the Word every day, it ought to be the first thing you do when you wake up, is treating God like a second-class citizen. He's basically a hobby to them. It doesn't matter what the excuse is. I'm not saying you got to study the Bible for an hour or two every morning. That's awesome when you can get lost in the Bible. But God's Word is so powerful that if you will get up and study for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever, more is even better. But you're getting that word. There's nothing on the earth that you could study and read that's more powerful and has a greater effect than God's word into your born again spirit. Amen. Your born again spirit will become pregnant with the blessings of God and the treasures of truth that he has embedded and put in his word. Amen. Read it for yourself. Study to show your own self approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Now, a lot of people that are in ministry, they want people to keep coming back to them. That is a false notion. and They're either getting ready to be a wolf or they're already a wolf. I'll give a little slack, in my opinion, to some of the novices. They still haven't learned through the crucified life that it's not about them. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And if your ministry, if God is really using you, He's using you to get people to go to him, not you. So what if somebody listens to your preaching one time 
And then they get on their face before God and start seeking him all by themselves. Now, I'm not saying we don't need teachers in the body of Christ and people to point us, but it has to be the word of God that's being taught. It has to be Christ, the, the love of for Christ being fostered in the hearts of the people. Amen. That's what Paul taught in uh, 1 Corinthians, right? Where we were, chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, where it talks about nobody, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is of God, made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, let him that glory, let him glory in the Lord, not men. And I, brethren, he says in chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I didn't, Paul said, I didn't come with all this flowery speech. You got some of these guys that are really gifted communicators. That alone is not a sin. God gives that ability. Apollos in Acts 18 was very articulate and he was full of the scriptures, rich in the scriptures. He had several great traits, characteristics that he had developed out of what God made him to be and out of the gifting of God. But it was all to glorify God. And uh, Priscilla and Aquila helped him learn the way of God more thoroughly and helped him mature. Amen. So being excellent of speech, but make sure we're pre we need to make sure we're preaching the word. As Paul said, we read earlier, later in this chapter, in verse 13 and other places, we're to preach the word. Second Timothy chapter four, verse two, preach the word that stands all on its own, self-evident. Just preach the word. So, but Paul did say he didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He, he came intentionally, apparently, and he didn't use eloquent speech intentionally. And here's why. Declaring unto you the testimony of the gospel of God. For I determined, here it is, not to know anything among you, save or accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. His whole preaching was about Christ. And he determined not to know anything among them, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in meekness, excuse me, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Isn't that interesting? We don't see many preachers today that fit this bill, do we? People that are weak through the war of Satan on them, persecuting and bringing affliction, afflictions upon their lives, etc. So Paul said he was with them in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Be careful, folks. By good words and fair speeches, they are deceiving the hearts of the simple, the gullible. Romans 16, 7 and 18. We are to beware of men like that. They're making merchandise of people. We need to be grounded in the Word of God so that the Word of God is circumcising our hearts daily. Amen. So that we can say with Paul that we... We determine, we absolutely set our hearts and we determine to make the decision that it's all about Christ. That we determine to know nothing. We don't do anything among people, ministry-wise and in our lives, that doesn't glorify Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the cross. First Tim, uh, Corinthians 2, 2, we just read that. So Paul said he did not use enticing words of man's wisdom. Amen. He preached the word. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, it was all about Jesus, not them, not him. And here's the end of this passage, that your faith, here's the reason why Paul preached the word and glorified Christ alone, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
in the power of God. That's what ministry is, is people becoming, if it glorifies God, it, people are becoming enamored with, in love with, obedient to, worse, more worshipful of Christ. Ministry is not about you and I. Ministry is all about Jesus. So read your Bible for yourself, beloved, or organically. That's our O, the middle letter of the acronym HOT, H-O-T. Honestly, organically, and thoroughly. Read all the way through the Bible. Read in the New Testament and the Old Testament every day. Study the whole of Scripture. Stop relying on mere men to teach you what only the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit who gave them can teach you and bring glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. Also, no Greek or Hebrew is needed, and it's certainly not the main rule of interpretation. It's fine to reference the Greek and Hebrew here and there, but some people act like, especially seminarian frauds, that you can't understand the Bible unless you know Greek and Hebrew. Absolutely, totally, and completely false. Beware of anybody who tells you that. God gave us his word in our language, as he promised to do in Psalm 12, 6, and 7. It's in the King James Bible. And so we don't need the so-called original languages, which are actually two dead languages. So we need to ask ourselves, are we truly taught of God or are we taught of man? That's a Bible term and phrase we see in John 6, 45 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, taught of God. The only way to talk of God is to get into God's word for ourselves. Are you taught, my friend, of God? How much of what you have in your body of truth is actually scripture with the rightly divided interpretation, not private interpretation, but rightly dividing it through the whole counsel of scripture on that topic, on any given topic. Those not diligently daily in God's word for themselves are not only, in most cases, already deceived, but they're sitting ducks for a deceiver to come along, get them to start tuning into their ministry in whatever medium, platform that may be, and mislead them. And it will happen if it hasn't already. If you wish to endure to the end, to be grounded in sound doctrine, Christ being elevated in your life daily, you must personally fill your heart, your mind, with God's word daily, or you will be turned over to strong delusion because you really don't love God or love his word. You're just trying to use Jesus to get you out of hell, and God sees right through it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. God takes it personal. When we choose not to love his truth, and if you love his truth, you're devouring it. You can't get enough of it. Second Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12 tells us that God will turn us over to strong delusion because we receive not the love of the truth. We could go on and on about this. Now, let's get to our final letter in the acronym H-O-T, and it's T, thoroughly. We've already covered honestly the importance of being honest before God and sincere in heart all the way to the core and studying God's, that's how we approach God's word with an honest heart. And then organically, we're to study it without the taintings of mere men. And then the third T, thoroughly, we are to study God's word thoroughly. As I said earlier, I want to encourage you 
to study all the way through the Bible. How many times have you read through the Bible? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's the only factor. Now, it's not so much how many times we've been through the whole Bible, speaking of thoroughness, but it's a matter of how many times the Bible, the sword of the Spirit, has been through us. Amen. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 2. No, rather, chapter 3. Notice 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture, this is another memory passage here, friend. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. It's God-breathed and is what? Profitable for what? What four things? Here it is. Doctrine, reproof, for instruct, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Four things. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, truly, truly furnished unto all good works. Truly is the old English spelling of thoroughly, but it carries more weight, if you will. Through and through, we should be equipped and full of the word of God. Amen. Thoroughly or truly furnished unto all good works. We should have in our hearts, the furniture in our hearts should be the word of God from wall to wall. We must become Thoroughly furnished. The only way to be furnished is to move that furniture in by daily study of God's Word and become proficient in every one of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith, beloved saints. And when you're thoroughly furnished with the Word of God, the whole of God's Word, you're not going to be moved about by every wind of doctrine blowing through the church world, Ephesians 4.14, but you're going to be established in the faith and be able to discern, even your senses will be exercised to discern both good and evil, the uh, writer of Hebrews speaks about in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. I highly encourage you to study that at the end of Hebrews chapter 5. When man is controlling the study and an interpretation of the Bible, in any setting, when he's in an unwarranted fashion. Now, elders need to oversee and make sure the Word of God is being taught, and that's what's being learned, and that's the text, for sure. They need to brood jealously over that. But in some cases, you have people that control the interpretation of everything, and they get a little bit too controlling. That should be a red flag. There's a difference. So when a man chooses to control the interpretation of everything in scriptures, and he's got false doctrine in him. For example, I think it was last year, I was a part of a group studying the Bible, and the pastor was, you know, once saved, always saved. He wasn't interested in hearing scriptures, scripture, the Bible, that contradicted that false doctrine. So he would not allow those scriptures. I was on the phone the other day with a guy, and I was trying to read scripture because he wanted to discuss the Bible. He called me and he asked me if we could do that, but he wasn't interested in me reading verses that contradicted his false interpretation. <laughs> so I never raised my voice once in the whole conversation. It was about an hour and a half long. I just said, wait a minute. Now you are talking over me and not allowing me to read scripture. That's a red flag, my friend. That is a red flag. How do we know that? Well, Jesus said he that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you're not of God. So if somebody's not wanting to hear God's word because it might conflict with his false or his interpretation one way or the other, you got a problem there. He's not of God. As Jesus said, he that is of God hears God's words. Why would any man of God not want to hear all of what the Bible 
has to say. He wouldn't. You got a wolf you're dealing with there. People, individual saints are to be taught of God, quote unquote. That appears twice in the King James Bible. Taught of God and not taught of men. There are people in leadership who insist upon presiding over the interpretation of Holy Scripture instead of letting God's people read it for themselves being taught of God. This presumption to supposedly hold the keys to interpretation or all interpretation is a farce. God alone holds the keys to understanding his word and he alone can ultimately teach his own people. When undue control is asserted by men over the interpretation of God's word, that should be a red flag. This is how indoctrination occurs. This is how heresies spread. They don't want anybody introducing scripture that conflicts with and goes against the grain of what they're teaching. See, that's a red flag that you're being indoctrinated. Again, the Bible says we're to be taught of God through the word of God. That doesn't mean we don't have teachers. The Bible says that Christ, when he raised from the dead, gave the body of Christ apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're mere servants. They don't walk around with those titles, but they do do those functions. And it's very important that we're being taught of God and not having a forced interpretation on things coming from mere men who are themselves indoctrinated and in the process of making twofold children of hell by proselytizing others in that same indoctrination. It takes a long time sometimes in our Christian walk to see that there are systems of theology that are predicated on a falsehood. First of all, that's why we need to study God's word organically for ourselves, because when you walk into certain environments, people are overlaying some kind of dirty glass, if you will, over the Bible from which they're interpreting everything through that dirty glass. And God never ordained that, that dirty glass. That dirty glass, that dirty lens through that looking glass is the construct of mere men and their theological systems, which they overlay to structure, as they argue, the Bible and to organize it, for instance, in the dispensations. God never ordained that we divide all of our study of the Bible on dispensations. That appeals to some people because it sets up a framework of organization. Yet the person who hasn't thoroughly, personally, organically studied God's word diligently for at length for himself is not able to discern the errors, the poisons in the pond of the system and therefore for is easily misled as he becomes swept up with that program, that indoctrination program. After all, the ministries which do this are usually large and lots of people are participating. A theological system pretends to organize and to make the Bible easier to understand and yet in most cases has a built-in error or more than one error that poison the pond. Examples again would be dispensationalism and Calvinism, both absolutely false systems of theology created by men. Now, the only way you're going to discern this is that if you have a life with Christ, and if you have a life with Christ, you got a life in his word all for yourself. Organic study, thorough organic study, and honest study of all of the scriptures. Then you're going to start seeing red flags, which in the group I mentioned earlier, I started seeing red flags. The once saved always think. 
same thing. Then there were dispensationalists also, even though they did use the King James Bible, but then they started with uh, saying that certain parts of the New Testament do not apply to New Testament believers. Well, a huge red flag came up. I confronted the pastor. He's not going to repent, unfortunately. And so I was done with that. Heretics. The Bible says, depart from them and reject them. Those people are deceived. Verse 11, Titus 3, 10 and 11. They somehow believe that they have the ability to decide what in the New Testament does not apply to us. And it's convenient that they uh, have concocted this system of theology and indoctrine, this tool of indoctrination. They, and one of the things motivating that is that they don't believe once saved, always saved. So they want to say that Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. <laughs> you know, if that wasn't so pitiful, it'd be laughable. You got to be kidding me. It addresses holy brethren. That means all the body of Christ. There's only one body in Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles, Ephesians 2. So, but they conveniently concocted this system that somehow can negate scriptures that refute. And, you know, we all know anybody that studied the Word of God and been through Hebrews knows that, you know, you're not an honest person if you read that book and still believe that you're eternally secure no matter what you do. That's done. I mean, there's so many places that you can't go through hardly a chapter that's not absolutely dismantling and confronting that lie of an unconditional eternal security. Lots of the systems of theology induce or impose things upon Scripture, beloved. And that's how gullible people get deceived. The novice has no depth of knowledge of God's Word and so cannot possibly discern this. They are consequently becoming indoctrinated under those systems. Topically studying God's Word is extremely beneficial where scriptures are gathered on a certain topic. Yet, when the wrong ministry is putting those verses together, it can be dangerous. Again, this is why it's imperative that we study the Word of God honestly, organically, and thoroughly, beloved saints. Friends, I'm going to try to bring this in for a landing here. So much to be said on this subject. Remember to pray for the Lord's understanding as Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and 3, we have on record his prayers about the eyes of our understanding, our eyes and ears being lightened that we may understand the things of God. Amen. To bring light to the reality of how people are imposing things upon the Bible that simply do not bear out through organic, honest, thorough study of the scriptures. Let's give some examples here. These are just some of the falsehoods being peddled as biblical that simply are not. They don't bear, they don't hold water when you look at the whole of scripture. Those who thoroughly study God's word for themselves, being taught of God, not men, not indoctrinated by men, will never come out of their study of God's word and be heard saying things like this. You ready? Keeping Saturday as the Sabbath is essential. Never heard in the New Testament of Scripture. Not one hint, much less one instruction from Christ or his apostles, any of them, that New Testament believers have to keep some certain day. Boom. I'm going to try not to go into detail with all these, but many of you already know that that's false. And all of these are. Here's another one. Once saved, always saved. Never going to hear that. Man has no free will. Calvinism. Never going to hear that from somebody who studies the Bible for themselves. You got people running around saying they learn these things in the Bible. 
these lies, all of these lies that we're going to go through a list of here, about 10 of them. They didn't learn these things in the Bible. They learned them through men who are making twofold children of hell out of them, is what Jesus said of the false leaders of his day in Matthew 23. Nobody can read the Bible honestly after getting saved without any of man's influence and come out with the idea that New Testament believers need to keep a certain day, that New Testament believers saved by grace are once saved, always saved. They can live any way they like. They can live in sin. They can die in sin and still still go to heaven. That's a lie. You're not going to see that in the Bible. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say when you hyper-focus on certain scriptures to the exclusion of the whole of the Bible, but that's not really what God's communicating. And so people are willingly deceived that believe that. You're not going to have somebody that studies God's word for themselves come out and say, man has no free will. There's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve, etc. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit passed away with the apostles. That's what we call cessationism. That's a lie. Paul, several decades after Pentecost, when the church was born, is giving instructions. He's introducing the nine gifts of the Spirit and giving instructions on how to use them. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. People that study the Word of God and are grounded in the Word because they study it honestly, organically, and thoroughly, are not going to come around and say, there's more than one gospel. This is another lie being peddled today. All of these are lies. People are peddling them. And then you got these folks that are their prey. They've been indoctrinated. And they're saying, I got that in the Bible. No, you got that through a man leading you through the Bible who's manipulated and indoctrinated you. Because there are several scriptures that contradict that. And God is not the author of confusion. So you're deceived. But they're most cases, and I deal with these people every day and have done that for many years. Look, they're going to say, no, I got that out of the Bible. No, you got that out of the Bible like I got when I was a new Christian, the word of faith movement. They just siphon scriptures here and there that are to their self-serving agenda, and they skip everything in between. They're going to teach this prosperity that the Bible doesn't teach. But they led you through a few verses that manipulated and deceived you into thinking that all means money. As an example, another thing we hear, you have to learn the Bible through dispensationalism, absolute heresy. Paul never said that. Peter never taught the Bible. John, never. none of the apostles, Jesus didn't teach that. That's, again, a construct, an assertion, and a fabrication of mere sinful men. Here's another one, pre-trib rapture, escapism. They're imposing that on the scriptures. Here's another one, Jesus only died to save pre-selected elect people, the chosen. In other words, Jesus didn't die to save everyone according to Calvinism. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. There's no respect of persons with God. That means past, present, or future. So God didn't, like the demonic Calvinists teach, didn't choose in eternity past, these are going to be my chosen people, and all of these other people go down the list, Xing them out, like I want them to go to hell. No, the Bible says God would have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2, 4. 1 John 2, 2. Boom. Case closed. Romans 2, 11. There is no respect or person of God. Jesus said, when I go to the cross, I'm going to draw all men unto me through my crucifixion. John 12, 32. You're telling me Jesus went to the cross and he's going, he died for all men and he's going to 
draw all men to him, but he doesn't desire to save all men, you are demonic. Nothing less than demonic. You are a fraud and a false teacher if you believe that. Calvinism is the most diabolical system of theology on the planet. And that's what they, one of the many bizarre cult teachings. And that's how you know a cult. They all live by the same teachings. Calvinism sums their teaching up in the tulip, T-U-L-I-P. I will try not to go into detail about that. I don't mean to get sidetracked, but you can go on safeguardyoursoul.com and go to the Calvinism uh, category and enjoy. <laughs> Another thing you're not going to hear people say that are studying the Bible organically, true disciples of Jesus are not going to run around saying, you have to keep the law to be saved. Are you kidding me? Don't get me started. Go read the book of Galatians. By the way, we have a Judaizing devils rebuked. I believe the name of the category, just go to the J's and the category drop down on the website and go down to Judaizing. We've got so much on that, on law versus grace, etc. Again, I'm trying not to go into detail here, but you don't have to keep the law to be saved. You're saved by Christ, the only one who ever kept the law and nailed it to the cross and took it out of your way. So you can walk in the spirit. When you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to lie. You're not going to dishonor your parents. You're not going to have other gods before you. You're not going to use the name of the Lord your God in vain. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to covet. You're going to be holy as he's holy. Romans 8, 2 through 4, etc. Closing in on the end here. Here's something you're not going to hear Bible believers say. I received all of the Holy Spirit I need at the moment I got saved. Not in the Bible. That's induced upon men by false teachers. Some of these evangelicals. Because they certainly don't want the Holy Ghost in control. Because that means they're out of control. Those are the Pharisees of our day. The Pharisees were completely threatened by Christ and his power. And the fact that the people clung to him. Same thing we got going on in churches today. They want to prevent the Holy Spirit from filling each believer and leading and guiding them. Because then... Those ministries become second fiddle. They want to be first fiddle. They want you dependent on them, false teachers. Here's another one. God no longer does miracles. Again, this is cessationism, where that stuff cessated, I believe is the root word. It's gone. It was gone with the apostles 2,000 years ago. Lie from hell. God does miracles every time he saves someone. The miracle of regeneration, which is his most important priority that miracle. Here's another one. Every believer needs a human pastoral covering false doctrine. Be careful. Be careful with that one. You can look up Nicolaitanes. We even got a category for it if you go to the ends. We got several things on that. that are, that's an eye opener right there. But these controlling false pastors, they use this terminology. You need a covering. Let me tell you, friend, the only covering you need is Christ. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the covering of the Almighty. If Jesus isn't your covering, you're in trouble. Anytime you have ministries using this covering terminology, you know you're dealing with Nicolaitanes. Those are false ministries that Jesus said he hated their deeds and doctrines. Revelation 2, verse 6 and 15. Beware. There's another thing. God doesn't require that his people apply all scripture to ourselves and gave us permission to, to, to decide for ourselves what his word applies to and what it doesn't. Again, that's a lie. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, doctrine, correction, reproof, instruction, and righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16. Here's another one. You can't understand the Bible without mere men teaching you. Again, we've been through that tonight or today on this message. Not true. God teaches his people through his word and spirit. Men can help. God ordained that there be teachers in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.11, for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping, for the establishing them in the truth for themselves. Let me finish that by saying, John said, you need that no man teach you. That doesn't mean we go hide in the corner and don't have relationship in the body of Christ. But it also doesn't mean we have to go to a church building on Sunday morning. Sometimes that's the worst thing you can do. Many of us have been indoctrinated through that. It's not necessarily a sin for members of the body of Christ to meet on Sunday morning, but you got to be real discerning and careful because so many of those places are filled with and run by deceivers, as we're talking about, not men of God. Here's another one. All whom the Lord saves lose their free will and are forced to continue serving him and forced to go to heaven. Again, robotic, Calvinism. So here's the next one. These are all errors induced upon the minds of men by other beguiled men. They misuse twisted scripture as we've been warned about. I don't know if that one should have been in this bullet list that I'm going through. So we're going to have to take a second look at that one. Looks like we got two more saints here. Here's something. Fellowship is limited to a certain physical church building and organization that meets on Sunday mornings. Not true. You don't see that in the early church. Some people's whole existence, when you talk about God, oh, I go to church, that's all they can say. They're part of this group they meet with on Sunday morning. They don't have any of the life of Christ in them, or not enough to say, Jesus Christ is my Savior. That's all that matters. No one will be saved from sin and eternal damnation outside of Jesus Christ. Peter put it well when he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that comes out of our mouth should not be, I go to this church. I love my church. I love my pastor. That is not a disciple of Christ speaking. Fellowship is not limited to a certain physical church building, so-called, or organization that meets on Sunday mornings. Let's get over it. Some people are proud of themselves because they go to church, so-called, on Sunday and Wednesday. You know, the early church could not get enough of Jesus and fellowship of the brethren. They met house to house daily, Acts chapter 2 and chapter 5. So put that on, compare that. And yet we got people running around today that are proud of themselves because they so-called go to church. You know, if they don't have the life of Christ and not speaking the name of Jesus and the word of God, they're being indoctrinated. They've been indoctrinated into what some call churchianity. They don't really have Christ. Some people listening to me might need to just stop all that or at least start going once a month and get up in the morning on Sunday and spend that morning praising God, reading the Bible, getting lost in it, eating uh, breakfast and drinking your coffee. And maybe if you're married, studying the Bible, just you and your wife, your family. Some people listening are so indoctrinated they think that is sacrilegious that I would ever say that. Go find the Sunday morning church service in the New Testament. It's not there. Look at the end of the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Let me read that to you. Organic fellowship. Listen to this. Okay, this is right after Pentecost when the church was formed. Okay, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Four simple things. 
no bureaucracy, no indoctrinating elders, and no system to be indoctrinated into and schooled in of mere men, which is what we got now. Apostles' doctrine, they continued steadfastly in four things. The Apostles' doctrine, that's simply the Word of God. Fellowship, real fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Breaking of bread, that's communion, that is also maybe eating together. You have both in the Scripture. Jesus ate with his disciples. Also, we have the institution or the the ordinance of communion, where you break bread and drink a little wine or grape juice to commemorate, to memorialize, and think upon the death Christ died for us, shedding his blood to redeem us. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11. And then prayers. Okay, you pray together. It's sincere. It's not all of this a circus show conducted with the the pastor gets up and talks, then they sing a few songs, then he's got this formalized servant, a sermon, take up a collection, all of that stuff. That's very contrived compared to what we see in Acts 2 with organic fellowship. Pray, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's because they worshiped him and they fellowshiped with him and the body of Christ daily. Notice 542 Acts and daily, notice daily, in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Amen. I could go on and on. I love you guys. God bless you. Glad we could spend these moments together. And thank you for your prayers and support of the outreach of Safeguard Your Soul, which is reaching saints and sinners internationally. God bless you, saints. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you Your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.